Welcome to Illuminate Greatness, the podcast that explores the latest trends in marketing and public relations and highlights the most positively powerful brands and people who are making a difference in our world. And now your host, entrepreneur, marketing and public relations expert, advocate, spiritual explorer, mother, and founder of Olive Creative Strategies, Jennifer Borba von Stauffenberg. Welcome to today's podcast of Illuminate Greatness. I am so honored and privileged to be here today with Chantal Cecile Kira. This woman has an extraordinary background with over 25 years supporting the field of autism. She is an autism consultant, an award-winning author of multiple books, a speaker and a leader in her industry, and I want to start first by just telling you how much I respect and love you. I have heard so many incredible things about your career, and I can't wait to learn more today. Illuminating greatness is so important to me personally because I get the privilege through my agency, Olive Creative Strategies, to work with thought leaders and professionals who are on the front lines. And so through this podcast, My entire intention is to align with professionals in the field to support people in learning more about marketing and PR, but also to illuminate and discuss those in the world that are doing the great things that deserve the illumination. And Chantal absolutely falls into that category. She is amazing. So I want to start by uh, just getting a little bit more about your story just from your words. I want to hear about your inspiration and your career path. And before we get really back into the beginning, I want to hear about what you're doing now and what is most important to you today. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for having me on your podcast, because you are actually an amazing person, too. And I love the fact that you are illuminating greatness in so many different ways. So my passion has to do with helping people with autism to be accepted more in the larger community. And besides all the wonderful things that you said about me, I'm also a parent of a child with autism. I was a professional before having uh, my son, Jeremy, who is uh, now 30. Jeremy has defied all expectations that were first given to him and to me, actually, at his birth, in that Jeremy's now uh, has graduated from high school. He's an award-winning artist. That's incredible. Yes, and he communicates by typing. He's basically nonverbal. And when he was first born, I was told to put him in an institution. And the thing is, is that the person who gave me that advice didn't realize that that had been my first job actually out of college, was working at a state hospital, helping the first individuals with autism and other developmental disabilities to move out to live in the community like anyone else in a group home. And so I was thinking, I spent all this time getting people out of institutions. There's no way my son would ever go into one. And so I've just always been inspired by people like my son before even having had my son. And then once my son was born, that just became my whole trajectory. And how do I help people with the practical advice they need, either as teachers or as parents? And now that has shifted a little bit for me and that since my son has shown this huge talent that he has, it's more about helping him get his work out there as an adult he needs to earn money, but also this passion and this gift that he has, which by showing that is a good way to be an example for parents and teachers so they they can acknowledge 
that a lot of these students have gifts and not just look at their deficits. There are so many parents out there who have children living with autism. What is it specifically that supported you in stepping out into being a thought leader in this industry? From a marketing and public relations perspective, I'm curious if marketing and public relations played a role at all. What inspired you to take that next step to author the books that you've written? And can you share a little bit about those books as well? Marketing and public relations is absolutely very important. But if you don't have a story to tell, there's nothing to talk about. And really, my passion came from my heart. It happens the moments actually when I did leave a doctor's office with the third person telling me just to give up on my son. And I realized that at the time we were living in France and this was 30 years ago. And at the time, I could not believe the misinformation that was given to parents. Parents were given no hope. And I thought, I'm gonna change that. And so the first book just came out of this passion and desire to help other parents. And I knew nothing about publishing. I knew nothing about writing, though I had always received high grades in writing. But it just seemed to me at that moment that my past history of having worked with people with developmental disabilities and getting them out of an institution. And then when I moved to France, I worked in TV and film. So I worked with a lot of scripts. That kind of helped me with an outline for a book. And I just wrote it. And then just the way I think sometimes things are meant to be, I ran into an old friend who is now this amazing author, well-known, who he introduced me to agents. And then one of them said, you know, he would run with the book. And I, so I had an agent within two weeks. I had my first book published within six months. That's absolutely incredible. And by mainstream publisher. And now I've had five others published. But every time it's always the core thing is what is the goal of what I'm doing? And it is really to help other people. And everything's just flowed that way. Can you share a little bit about the individual books for people who are listening who might want to look them up and get the information that you provide? Autism Spectrum Disorder has actually been republished and I rewrote 80% of it, but it's just called Autism Spectrum Disorder. And it is an outstanding book of the year from the Autism Society of America, and it has won all these other awards, but it's basically your starter book, sort of a gummies, dummy's guide to mm -hmm. autism. Uh, which is great for beginning parents or people starting in the field. And then I was asked to write about adolescents on the autism spectrum because as Jeremy was becoming an, a teenager, I was realizing all these things. And everyone said, well, let's have a book on that because there still to this day is not that much information out there about uh, teens. Then I was asked about writing a small book for another publishing company. This for people who don't know anything about autism and it's called What is Autism? understanding life with autism or Asperger's. And basically I just wrote 50 questions or so that came into my mind that I get asked when I'm in a public place, when someone finds out I've, I've written books on autism and they start asking me, well, what causes autism or- Is this you know, for people who are in the lives of somebody living with autism? Correct. So if you're, if you're a neighbor or a grandparent or somebody like that and you wonder- I would love to read that. Why your kid doesn't, or why the neighbor's kid runs around with no clothes on sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or why you hear those noises coming out of the house. Or so would this why, be a great book for educators to read? For a starting educator, the, mm -hmm. other, the educators would want to move on to adolescence or autism okay. spectrum disorder. This is really for people who don't know that much, or really for parents to give to grandparents. 
let's say you're a parent and you have a child on the spectrum and your grandparents don't understand why the diet impacts that child. And this will explain those things. Not that diets are something that's needed by everyone, but for example, all people on the spectrum have some type of sensory integration challenge. So it explains about that in here. So it's really, and you could just skip around, skip around to question to question. Yeah. Then my personal favorite book is called Autism Life Skills. And what I did is I interviewed lots of people on the spectrum who are either verbal or typers. And I asked them what was important to them growing up, what they wish people who had educated them and raised them would know and what would have helped them. And I was amazed by how much I learned that I didn't know because having a child who is nonverbal, because he didn't learn to type till he was in high school, it was really hard to understand sometimes why he was acting certain ways. What did that behavior mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, I understood that behavior is a means of communication, but what was he trying to communicate? And so a lot of people say this is their favorite book too. And then finally, I guess I shouldn't say it's my favorite because every book I want to say it's my favorite. (laughs) The last book that I've written is called A Full Life with Autism. And I co-authored it with my son, Jeremy, and it's about the transition to adulthood. So it's from I looked over the research and then I looked over how that worked transitioning Jeremy out of high school into adult services and into real life. And Jeremy wrote in the book his uh, point of view of what that felt like. And then my current project is not a book. It's actually a play. Can you tell us about the play? I can tell you a little bit about the play. Someone in a theater group heard my keynote talk. I give a lot of uh, talks on practical advice, but more and more over the last few years because of Jeremy's huge success, people have been asking me, how did you raise him or what's his story? So I developed a few keynotes about uh, Jeremy. And this theater group was really enthralled with the story and they optioned our story for a play, which I'm currently writing with their uh, mentorship because I'm not, I've never written theater before. I was going to ask, how is writing a play different than writing a book for you? How do you approach it? It's different because, uh, for example, these are nonfiction books. And so I did give examples of experiences I'd heard about, but In terms of the creative writing, it's a little creative, but not that much because it's basically about getting facts out there in a way that's going to be understandable to people. In telling a story, there's a whole way of telling. There are 500 ways of telling a story, but you want to tell a story in a way that's going to be really touching the people who are in the audience. What do you want them to understand from the story? Really, that was hard for me to figure out at first and actually About five or six years ago, I went away for four or five days at a time. I did that two or three times to some um, boot camps on creative writing to tell my story. And and it was really tough because I remember the first teacher uh, that I spent five days with. She was telling me, you have to stop just telling the good things that happened. You have to tell some of the bad things that happened too. And that was really hard for me. that's true for all of us? I was just having a conversation the other day about the same thing, that as a business owner, you want to share all the wins, but if you want to be in service, you should also share about the losses too, because somebody else can relate to that, maybe even more deeply than the wins, and we could really support each other. That's right. In reality, that's what every movie is based on. It's like the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, at some point they fall and they pick themselves back up again. 
And so uh, the play should be uh, taking place in San Diego at the Lyceum in fall of 2020. Fantastic. Yes. So you've talked about a little bit about Jeremy. I want to share a little bit about how we met because it was such a turning point for me in my career and witnessing the transformation of somebody's career. So I met Jeremy and Chantal. Well, I didn't really meet them. I met Jeremy's painting and I fell in love with one of his pieces of art and I offered up my business card to say, if you're ever gonna sell this work, please let me know I wanna buy this piece, which I still don't own. I hope that he never sells that piece, actually. Oh no, it's hanging in his bedroom, he refuses <laughs> to sell it. He should never. It's called My Future Girlfriend, right? Right. And I said to Courtney, who's on my team, can you please tell her to reach out to me when he's ready to sell that? And several months later, I'm not sure how you reached out, but a meeting was set up. And I sat with Chantal in my conference room as you shared with me what Jeremy's plans were. Can you share a little bit about that time period? And it was such an inspiration to me. To be honest, I was going through, speaking of losses, I was going through just a burnout. And I wasn't really feeling inspired by my work at the time. And I, I needed Jeremy and Chantal to walk into my life. So thank you so much for that. But I'd love for you to share the story about how Jeremy got to the point of being ready for the art show. It was really interesting because I came down into the kitchen one day and I found Jeremy looking at this book called Born on a Blue Day. And I said, Jeremy, that's a book by this man who has Asperger's, but he also has synesthesia. Synesthesia means that you see letters, words, and numbers in color. And my son spelled out, doesn't everyone? I said, no, do you? Yes. Why didn't you ever tell me, I asked, because you never asked me. Oh, well, what's the color of the letter A? And what is the color of number three? And he just kept giving these colors around everything. And then one day we realized that he could see the color around people. Wow. His therapist said, oh, he's seeing auras. And I said, no, I'm from Staten Island. We don't do auras. And actually, (laughs) you can call it auras, but technically it's synesthesia in the sense that Jeremy sees from his descriptions, emotion translated into color, which is another form of synesthesia. He also has it with music. So when he hears music, he translates it into emotion and then the emotion into color. I bet it's so beautiful. Yeah, so after, oh, it sounds amazing, but you know, it's not really easy living with a human mood ring. (laughs) This is true. Yes, in fact, Jeremy can sense everything around him. And I realized that he would run around and be hyper every time I was hyper in the sense of, you know, when you're a mom and you're trying to get everyone out the door at the same time. I used to tease him and say, hey, Jeremy, what's my aura look like today? And he would say, today's forecast, mostly green with a slight chance of red. (laughs) (laughs) So then after about six months of this, he woke up with a big smile on his face one morning. And I said, you know, what's the happy face about? Oh, mom, I dreamt that I painted your colors and they were purple and very lively. Oh, that's cool. Next day. Oh, I had a dream I painted Ted's colors and they were green for his calmness and yellow for his happiness at barbecues on the weekend and red for his fear of flying. And on and on, every day was a different dream. That's incredible. Yeah, and then after three weeks, he said, Mom, I had a dream that I painted 10 of my paintings and I had my own art show. You're good to tell me how to make this come true. And I said, well, Jeremy, I'm gonna tell you what I say to people who say, oh, I have a great idea for a book. Could I get it published? I say, well, did you write it? The first step is writing a book. 
So for you, Jeremy, you need to start painting. So he started painting. And he started painting the colors of his dreams. And people around him just started asking him to start painting them. And then after uh, three or four years, and by that time he had his own art studio in Space for Art, which is a co-op in the East Village here in San Diego. And uh, they had a gallery space and I did a proposal for Jeremy to have his art show when I thought he was ready. And a curator was amazed by his work and she stepped up to curate the show. And then, of course, with Jen's business card in hand, I thought, okay, I'm going to go see Jen and I'm going to ask her to look over this press release that I'd written that I wanted to send out locally in San Diego just to get people to come to the show. And, I and thought, quite honestly, I thought that was ridiculous because his story is so incredible. I know, but I maybe and I was his thinking art too small. Is incredible. You were <laughs> thinking small. I know, which but is surprising coming from somebody who has award-winning books to to not see the potential. But that's it. I always go from my heart, and that always happens. Just like I would never have thought, ask someone to curate the show, right? And a curator stepped up, and then I go see you, and you say, "Oh, well, I'm not just." going to take care of this press release. I need to help you with the whole show, getting the word out. And it was amazing. Because here is a young man who's nonverbal. And through his art, for me, what I felt so inspired by is that his voice was being heard around the world because of the courage that you both had to bring this to light. And I remember when you said, could you send this out locally? And I thought, really? Just locally? I think this is a story for national news. I think that the world needs to hear about this because we need inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I was so blown away uh, when I saw his collection of work and so moved when he did my own family's aura and painted a painting for my family. I now have paintings for, I will soon have a painting for my new baby but I have paintings for my family and they're stunning. And we're actually recording this podcast right next to a surfboard that he painted the colors of the song Have It All by Jason Mraz. And it's just so beautiful to be in the presence of his art. And I was so moved and inspired and right because when we sent out that press release, it got picked up everywhere. One of the most powerful news stories that I've ever participated in was actually done by a local NBC reporter, Greg Bledsoe. And the story was syndicated and it went all over the nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe Good Morning America yes. did this story. The and Today uh, Show, online People Magazine. People Magazine. It was really incredible. And do you want to talk about the results of the show a little bit? Yes. So this show, uh, the curator had insisted, she had looked at all his work on his website and other pictures that I had, and she had insisted that we bring back pieces that were already owned by individuals who had asked to have their colors painted. And then she insisted on all these family paintings being brought in too, because Jeremy had done um, paintings, not just of the family, but of experiences we had, like mom on vacation in Mexico or the movie of my life, uh, where he had a dream that a movie was made of our life that inspired many others, which is kind of what's happening now. It's not in movie form yet, but it's starting with the play. So, but there were only a handful that were really there for sale sale. because the rest were supposed to be, you know, we hoped private commissions. And that's a gift because the commissions are what are so powerful where you can actually have your own family portrait painted, but it's an abstract piece of art. It's just beautiful. And each piece of art comes with a description of what each color means about that person's personality. But just to finish about the art show, 
is that every piece except two little ones that were 12 by 12 sold, including I sold all our private paintings, which were really big. And he had 24 private commissions just from that two-week show. And I was blown away because, I mean, I knew that he had this gift, but also his gift is very special in that he is still spiritually very connected. Mm -hmm. He says things about people that I don't know how he picks up on it. And the first time he actually shared this gift with me in a painting, he so he had painted this painting for, I think she was a social worker. And then he was writing out the description and I was ready, getting everything ready to go. And I looked at the description and it said something about gold and silver coming down from the power of God, which is coming through her best friend that she has just lost. Mm -hmm. And I thought, that's a little too weird. I'm not going to put that in there. I said to Jeremy, I don't think that's appropriate. And he said, no, no, she'll understand. I said, okay, you might lose a customer, but whatever. And I sent it. And within two minutes, she had answered me back. I don't know how your son knew, but... It's so true. And so these pieces of art are really so personal to people. And he actually does now also in partnership with another company called Perfect Farewells. He does mixed ash paintings. So, for example, if somebody wants to honor their loved one who has passed and they have ashes, uh, Jeremy can look at video of the person who has passed and also speaks to the person, Mm -hmm. the relatives that are still here. And then he creates a painting based on the colors of that person. And I have to say, he's only done a couple of those, but they've been so powerful. And I've uh, been present when Jeremy meets with the loved one and also afterwards when he uh, hands over the finished art. And the people are feel so much love and comfort and they are so grateful. It's not just about a painting. It's about they feel that so warmth that their loved one is still really with them. Well, I wasn't sure if I was going to get this personal, but probably one of the greatest gifts in my lifetime that I've received is that Jeremy was able to tune into a baby during I had a miscarriage and he painted the colors of the baby. And it's something that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. And so he truly is gifted on a different level than anyone I've ever experienced. I know so many people who are spiritual and I know so many people who are artists. But the way that he fuses it together is just so powerful and empowering for people. Mm -hmm. It really gave me a sense of closure and connectedness to something that felt so abstract at the time. And I love the way he's painted my five-year-old's colors, um, my son Otto. And right now he's working on a painting for my new baby. And our family portrait, which needs to be redone to include Nevin. You have to get a bigger house now. (laughs) I know. And just, I've seen the way that people light up when they see their work. And I've seen the tears flow when they feel so touched and moved and inspired. And it's just so incredible. I want to ask you, I know this is such an abstract question and I don't really know if you even have the answer, but how does one find the gifts. I just recently saw on America's Got Talent, the young man who is a piano player and singer who is otherwise on the spectrum and nonverbal, I believe. I can't remember all the details of where he is, but it was extraordinary to watch somebody go from standing there with a disability Mm -hmm. to a star. 
And it's the same thing for me when I see Jeremy. He is nonverbal and he grabs a paintbrush and he has so much intention and so much clarity about what he's doing. For anybody listening who is living with somebody with autism who hasn't quite discovered their gift or somebody who is just an average person who hasn't discovered their gifts, what is some advice maybe that you could give? Yes, that's a really, really good question. I think it applies to everyone. And it's part of the reason why I am writing this play and why I do go telling our story at conferences Now, it's not because I think everybody out there with autism or anybody is going to be an expert piano player or artist, but I believe that everybody, you know, whether you're on the spectrum or neurotypical, has gifts hidden inside them. And even if those gifts are not things that are going to earn you a lot of money in the end or make you famous, what is important about those gifts is they will motivate you and help you to overcome any deficits that you may have. So, for example, with Jeremy, I didn't even have the idea that he would graduate from high school. He didn't communicate by typing until he was 17. And we tried a lot of different communication methods. He had a little bit of words. He had a little bit of pointing to icons, but nothing more than just being able to say what he wanted to eat or what he wanted to wear, not what he was feeling inside or if he was hurt. I mean, imagine never hearing I love you or never being able to know why your child is crying you know, that they're hurt. But my whole idea, because of having lived, or sorry, worked with those individuals when I was in right out of college, those young adults that I was preparing to live out in the community, I had such a respect for them. I had a wonderful mentor there named Shane, and he was my boss. And he treated each person with the same respect, whether they were a colleague or a patient. And I thought, you know, that's the way it is. Everyone has to reach their potential, whatever that potential is. Somebody's potential is not going to be the same as somebody else's, but that's what we should be striving for. So all this time, that's what my books have been about, striving for whatever potential a person has. So I was blown away, actually, when Jeremy learned over two years, it wasn't easy, how to type, and it was validated at school and through exams and tests and everything, and that you know, he wanted to learn and he went for his high school diploma. And then, you know, I was thinking, what's he going to do next? Writing. And then he started having these dreams. So I just went with it and I listened. I didn't think, oh, well, he can't do this because X, Y, Z. It's just like when I went to publish my first book, somebody that I thought was a really good friend said to me, oh, well, what makes you think you can write a book? Because I had been secretly writing it. I was like embarrassed to say I was writing this book. And then when I had a contract in my hand, I was like, wow, you know, now I'm writing this book. What makes you think you can write a book? And I just looked at him and I said, well, I didn't know. Exactly. But I was thinking, well, I didn't know that I could write the book. I had this great idea. I wrote it out. But here's someone, an agent, and then a publishing company, Random House. If they believe I can write a book, what makes you say that something like that. So you just really have to surround yourself with positive people who are going to help you reach whatever your potential is. And we need to be looking at people more in terms of their strengths and not their deficits. Like when you're talking about that piano player, somebody must have, like I would never been able to tell because I have, I like music, but I have no ear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I can't tell if someone's played a song correctly and correctly. But if someone who's a great musician picks up that this kid knows about music and knows about sound, why can't you make him into a musician or use that to teach him other things? Because music works on your brain in different ways. 
With Jeremy, I thought, well, if he enjoys painting, why not? And then it's just connected him to this bigger gift and it brings people pleasure. And Jeremy has said that his gift has given his life meaning. Art has given his life meaning. And that is what his gift is, is to make people happy. So beautiful. What motivates you to stand strong in your advocacy work? Because I know this isn't easy. And I know that sometimes your energy might run low. What do you do to maintain motivation and restore your energy in some of the more challenging times? Well, it's really important. And I know everyone always says this and then they scoff at it, but really taking time for yourself to do something that you enjoy and taking the time to smell the roses because there's so much we can be doing and we think we should be doing, but just taking the time to enjoy, you know, a walk on the beach or just some time with yourself. That's how you really keep yourself from getting totally overwhelmed. But what inspires me, I know it sounds corny, but is it's my children, my son, Jeremy, of course, because if we think life is hard for us, take somebody like Jeremy. I have no complaints about, you know, being a mom and how hard it's been. Anything that was hard for me was 10 times harder for Jeremy or someone else like Jeremy. And he is, you know, life's not perfect for him. And he's only able to do what he does because he has a group of people around him who support him, you know, paid staff 24-7. So it's not easy, but at least he has that. And my daughter, Rebecca, she's 27, a few years younger than Jeremy, and she's always loved music. She always wanted to live in Seattle, and she graduated from college. She moved up to Seattle, and she always wanted to work for this company called Sub Pop. And she worked at all these other jobs, working her way up, and finally... After a few years, she had a job at their one flagship store at the airport. And then after two years, you know, she really wanted to have a certain position in the company. And here she is now. She's the online sales manager, which is a perfect job for her, you know, because she likes the idea of marketing, but not for something she doesn't enjoy or I feel, feel comfortable with. Way. Exactly. And I so she loves their catalog. Love what you're marketing or promoting. Right. Otherwise, it's really an inauthentic sell. So right. That's so great. Well, yeah. And that's, that. yeah, I feel so happy for her because she's living the life that she wants to be living. She's in the place she wants to be. She has a partner she's in love with now for four years and she has the job that she wants. So I know that it's not easy to do that. And so I'm really respectful of the fact that she has been able to do that. She's become her own person. That's so wonderful. And I know you've mentioned that Jeremy has also become his own person in doing his work. And that's got to be the best, biggest joy Mm -hmm. for a parent. You also mentioned recently to me that Jeremy, for the first time, was able to sustain the expenses of his life through his artwork career. And that is a huge accomplishment for any artist, but particularly a huge accomplishment for somebody who has so many expenses as a result of needing the support staff in his life. Well, actually, he only covered the cost of his business. Oh, okay. Okay. That's a huge... But still, that was only his second year... That's amazing. ...as working as an artist, and that's not easy... And he already pays $450 a month on studio rent. So then there's all the supplies on top of that. Yes, it can get quite costly. I'm so impressed by that. So I want to get back to you. I want to hear about, for those people who desire to be an author, can you share a little bit about the process? You talked about earlier when you said, if you want to be a painter, you need to paint. If you want to write a book, write a book. 
What are some of the first steps that people need to take who are saying, I want to be an author, I want to write this book? What do you do? Okay, so someone I admire a lot when it comes to writing and what he says about writing is Stephen King. He has a book, I think it's called On Writing. And I totally agree with him in that you have to have a schedule. Like if you, some people like to write in the morning, some like to write in the evening, but you just sit there and you write. Some people say, oh, I'm not in the mood to write. Oh, it's not coming out today. It doesn't matter because if you don't sit down, the bad stuff's not going to come out before you get to the good stuff. Anyway, you have to have the habit of sitting down to write. You also have to read. So you have to fill your brain with words. And then it really has to be something that you're passionate about that comes from your heart. Now, the publishing industry in itself has changed enormously. In the past, when I first started publishing, there weren't that many self-published authors. And I don't know how much harder it is now to get published or not. It was still very hard to get published back then. But I do want to say for people who choose to self-publish, you can self-publish and do it in a really professional way. But I would say make sure that you have editors working with you because you may think that your book is perfect, but books are never perfect and they need a different eye on it. But really, unless you're going to be thrilled with your story, then the book isn't going to be any good. But the other most important thing is who is your audience? I would say write your book that you want to write, but you also have to decide why am I writing this book and who is my audience? If I'm just writing to get the story out of me, then you don't worry about the audience. But if you decide you want to write a book because you want this story to sell to people, then you have to be able to listen to some people when they tell you about, you know, yes, this is something they would like or not like. So it's kind of hard because you have to stay true to yourself, but you have to be able to take in some of the comments and advice that people give you if that's the market that you want to reach. Absolutely. What is the difference that makes the difference in becoming an award-winning author? What do you think that sliver of, you know, because there's so many books out there. Some of them are extraordinary and some of them are not. What is it that causes a book to take off? So what causes a book to take off is a really good question. For my first book, this was, uh, it first came out in 2004, and that was when there were still Yahoo groups. This is before Facebook and all of that. And for a book to take off, people have to know about it, but it has to be something that's going to help people. And I remember going on Autism Yahoo groups every day, just answering questions people had, and then referring them to my book. I just wrote a lot and wrote when people offered me the opportunity to write in magazines. I had to do my own marketing, if you will. But it also touched the nerve with people because they could see I had a professional background, but I also had the parent background. And so I was able to understand it from both points of view, which means that that advice is written in a way that's helpful to both Mm -hmm. professional and parents. And so it became an award-winning book because it answered a need at that time. At that time when that book came out, there were only 800 books with the word autism or about autism, they were all very educational. They were all very scientific. There was nothing practical and that had everything in it. So mine answered that. So you have to find who's going to want your book. And if you are writing a story, there are people love stories. So you just have to know how to let people know that your story is there. And it became an award winner because it solved the problem of people who wanted practical information. 
so then the other books just kind of followed. That's so great. What have been some of the most memorable turning points in your career? I have to say that the most memorable turning point was when I was given the Outstanding Book of the Year by the Autism Society of America. I was really flabbergasted that my book was chosen. I mean, at the time, the Autism Society of America was the biggest nonprofit. Autism Speaks did not exist, neither did Cure Autism Now, nor any of the other ones that exist. When they called to tell me and they said that I needed to be at Nashville to receive my award, I was actually supposed to go to France with my family. So I did go to France. I mean, I'm not going to turn down France to go to Nashville, even though Nashville is quite nice. I just left my vacation a little early in France and I went to Nashville and I was astounded because there were 2,000 people and I got the award standing in front of 2,000 people and I gave a thank you. I don't even remember what I said, but a lot of chapter leaders because the Autism Society of America has chapters all over the United States and at that time, that's the only place parents got information and they all came seeing me afterwards saying, will you come speak to our group? Will you come speak to our group? And I was so surprised that all these people wanted to have me. That was a huge turning point for my life. And I actually joined Toastmasters because I didn't think that I would be capable of speaking in front of people. That's amazing. (laughs) And now you have a one-woman show as well, correct? Yes. Well, it's kind of like the story of Jeremy. And I don't act it. I just tell it. It's like storytelling. And that's my main keynote, basically. And can you share a little bit about what Autism College is? So Autism College is uh, my website, which I started 10 years ago. And the idea was that everyone can learn. And so that's why I called it Autism College, because I wanted to empower parents to realize that they needed to learn what they could about autism to help their children. And also that people on the spectrum could actually give us more information and we could learn from them. So that's why Autism College. I think that's so powerful. And what I love so much about all of the things that you've done is that they really are identifying a problem and creating a solution. And have you ever stopped to think about all the lives that you've impacted? It's extraordinary because these books will live on and for the people who grab them for the first time, it will be like it's a brand new book and it's infinite, the potential of lives that will be impacted. Well, it's so funny because when you mentioned earlier that we had met at a time that you were feeling burnt out, which didn't appear to me. And I've never really been burnt out, but I wonder, like, what am I doing? Is this really important that I'm traveling somewhere to give a talk to a group? But even just sometimes in San Diego, I'll be walking down the street or I'll be with Jeremy and people will stop and say, oh, my gosh, it's seeing Jeremy, it's like seeing the Pope. You don't understand how much knowing that Jeremy could learn to type to communicate has saved us because now our son is learning to type to communicate or parents will come up to me with their well-worn books at a conference and ask me to sign it. And they said, this is the first book I bought and it's really helped me. So I realized that we, you forget about that when you're home writing because when you're a writer, it's kind of lonely. But when you get out and you realize how much you have impacted people, you know, on a personal level, one by one, it's really makes me realize why my work has been important which reminds me too of one of the main points is that besides inspiring other parents who have kids with autism, it's this whole idea of inspiring people that we need to provide ways for everyone to communicate. Because, and my son says this all the time, if 
Jeremy did not have a way to communicate. How would I know the gift that lies within him? And think of all the people that would be so unhappy because they wouldn't have gotten the messages they did or who wouldn't have the art that they have. And so it still concerns me that we're in an age where sometimes someone can go through the school system and no one has tried alternative ways of communication other than speech. So that's why I continue what I do and why Jeremy does what he does. It's to inspire people, but also to make people realize that each person needs to have a voice. I think that's so beautiful. And I know here at Olive, we always talk about amplifying your voice. And so just that is specifically why I was so inspired, because we're talking most often about amplifying a voice that exists. And being in the moment and seeing Jeremy, who can't speak verbally, and hearing and seeing the power of his voice, it just really restored my faith in this work that I get to do. And so thank you to both of you. I want to hear if there's one piece of advice that you would like for people to understand about people living with autism for those of us who don't have regular daily exposure, what is something that I could take away and other people could take away that could change the experience for everyone? One thing I would say whenever you meet anyone with autism is first of all, to presume competence. Just because someone is unable to communicate in the same way doesn't mean that they don't understand everything. So we wanna presume competence and also realize that their body language may appear that they don't wanna be involved with other people, but they do. They just have a hard time sometimes controlling their bodies and they're very impacted by the environment around them and they can get overwhelmed. And just to treat them like you would anyone else. And that's one thing I'm really grateful for Jeremy since he's discovered art since he's been out of school, he is treated with respect. He's treated like anybody else, which we didn't get so much in the school system. You would run into that from individual teachers, but the system in place doesn't really look for strengths. They look for deficits because they wanna help you with your deficits, but it's so much more strength-based when you're out in the community. And Jeremy actually lives a fully included life. That was what he wanted and that's what he's doing. So that's what most people want. Most people want to live just like anybody else. As we wrap this up, I just want to hear about any exciting plans that you have for the future. Well, the play is about the most exciting plan for the future that we have right now. And when we do have that, we expect to have a very big art show around that. So Jeremy's already painting a lot of paintings for that. But that's our main goal right now. Though we do have other talks coming up and one that's very exciting will be happening in Pennsylvania in October. And it's the first time that Jeremy and I will be presenting together in this way. So Jeremy will be doing a live painting demonstration for an hour while I go through the talk that we will have written together. Fantastic. Where is the best place for people to get more information about you and Jeremy? So for me, it's on autismcollege.com. And for Jeremy, it's at jeremysvision.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Chantal. I am so inspired by everything that you have done. You are certainly beyond worthy of being illuminated. And I look forward to watching the rest of Jeremy's career unravel and express itself as well as your own. I can't wait to see the play 
and to see the gallery exhibition that he puts on. Thank you so much. I want to say thank you to you because you're the one who really has made such an impact, you and your company, in illuminating Jeremy's talents. And that has really been a life changer for him. So thank you. Thank you. It's been one of the greatest pleasures of my career. Interested in receiving free marketing and public relations resources? Visit IlluminateGreatness.com and subscribe to our newsletter to receive valuable weekly content that will inspire you and help you grow your business. That's IlluminateGreatness.com. Thank you for listening to the Illuminate Greatness podcast brought to you by Olive Creative Strategies.